pop culture questions only one podcast knows. Nerds that know. Rated R. actually at uh, Savannah Mega Comic Con. How was that? It looked Three different small. costumes. Okay. It was small compared to uh, a lot of the cons that I've been to, but it was well attended. Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, so, well, they did not well, have well, guests to speak of. Like, their, their guest list was nil. So, like, well attended for, like, a school pep rally, well attended for, like, you know, uh, a, a great afternoon at Sweet Tomatoes. I mean, what's what's well attended? Uh, you know, the vendor alleys were full of not only vendors, but actually people buying stuff. Oh, there you go. Um, but not like, I can't breathe, I can't move full. Yeah, well, like Denver can get sometimes before mm-hmm. it became shit. What was your uh, what was your favorite cosplay that you saw? Uh, favorite cosplay that I saw, I actually saw a couple's costume where he was the pokeball and she was the trainer, <laughs> and that was cute. That's cute. Uh, there was a Thanos there with like the full like mask and everything. But he had it fitted enough so, like, he could talk and the mask would move. So, obviously, he'd used a little spirit gum, you know, and, like, painted his arms. And he looked really good. Uh, but I was actually working the uh, cos- working with one of the, uh, the cosplayers there who was helping with the uh, cosplay contest and such. So, I was working booths a lot as well as just meandering. Uh, my three costumes that I did were um, Mary Poppins uh, when she jumps into the chalk painting, so the big white hat. I saw that one. Uh, I did a very slutty Mad Hatter, Ooh, uh, like we to the to point where it. I had to wear shorts under the dress because it was more of a shirt. Nah, you don't gotta wear shorts. Because between my tits and my ass, it made that dress not fit so well. 
Um, but the costume I had the most fun with was I went as Lisa Lisa from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. And there were only like five people who understood what I was dressed as. I mean, it was, it was like, it was a really good, like with the red scarf and the, the stone and the purple with the vest and the sunglasses and the red heels. And I bet those five people, people were so were, stoked. They were yeah. so fucking happy. They were like, can we get your picture? Absolutely. That's awesome. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good time. The after party was good. Although apparently you're not supposed to call after parties after parties anymore when it comes to cons. So it's now called the after con. That's horrible. Yeah. But, you know, they had a DJ and, you know, um, a, a rapper there who's really terrible. Uh, and because some of the, like, the only guests that they had there were all, um, like, uh, wrestlers, they actually <laughs> had a wrestling ring set up, and they were doing, like, sense. Georgia. Yes, Georgia. It makes a lot of sense. I the lines at those sense. tables were actually up to, like, you know, 10, 12 deep. That's not surprising at all. That's one of the homes of wrestling in America, so. Yeah, but so they had the ring the set up, and they were doing little exhibition matches. Uh, and you could buy a ticket to get into one of the matches with one of the wrestling guests. Or oh, you participate? Yes. Wow. That sounds like fun. I'm in. No, that actually sounds kind of cool. I might try that. So, yeah, that actually was probably the most well-attended uh, for the panels or the contests or anything else like that. So, but all in all, it was a good time, you know. There was lots of drinking, you know, there was cigar smoking, there was alcohol, Smurf would be proud. I'm very proud. So, but uh, after that, I was completely dead to the world because that's a 10 hour drive from New Orleans to Savannah and back again. And we drove back to New Orleans on uh, Sunday, right after the con closed. So Monday was spent either in a coma or loading my car up for my drive back to Colorado. That sounds terrible. You know, the drive back wasn't terrible. Uh, drive back from New Orleans because I got to stop and see my godmother, you know, and spend some time with family. But the drive from Savannah back to New Orleans, that was wretched. Because... Yeah. I was the only one who hadn't been drinking that day, so I had the first leg of the trip. So. Gross. Yeah. But in any case, other things have happened other than my adventuring. Like what? Uh, Like uh, Masters of the Universe has come out. Troll Hunters of Arcadia, Rise of the Titans has come out. Many things. Oh my god, Bobby is speaking from the ether. Her chair is abandoned. That chair looks pretty comfortable, though. I don't know. It's pretty comfortable. It's like, yeah, I look a chair. It is a comfortable uh, chair. So which, which, which 
travesty would you like to speak of first from Netflix? Either Masters of the Universe, which actually I don't think Masters of the Universe as as much a travesty as everyone is 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 getting all bent out. Well, let's start there. Let's start with Masters of the Universe. I liked it as well. Coming from the standpoint that I remember watching the original cartoon and where this started and where it ended makes absolute sense. And in no time in the credits does it say He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. No, it says Masters of the Universe Revelation. And we all know what the revelation is. They hinted at it enough and it was in the original cartoon. So I don't know why it's a big surprise. But I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed it. And there was some heartstring moments where you're like, oh, they just did that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised with the character development that they gave um, to very underdeveloped characters from the original cartoon. Including the two, like, arguably main cast members? Yeah. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Tila. Like, she's awesome. I mean... To be fair, anytime you watch the old cartoon, they always did everything as a team. It wasn't always just He-Man. He relied on Tila, Man-at-Arms, Orko, you know. It was always... Thinking, it wasn't just always him. I wasn't yes. talking about He-Man. I was talking about Prince Adam. Oh, well, Prince Adam was kind of just... Wow. I mean, they, went, they went to the far left on him. I was like, I remember, you know, him being similar to the same size as He-Man, just a different color. So now they shrunk him, <laughs> made him shorter, well, and changed his color again. This like, Prince Adam at least doesn't look color. like He-Man, and so it makes more sense as to why Tila wouldn't have made that connection previously. True. You know, whereas, like, in the original... It's it's the Clark Kent Superman. Oh my God, he's wearing glasses. It can't be him. Yeah, I had seen that um, some people were outraged about uh, the character designs for uh, this iteration, um, and that they weren't like beefy enough. I guess they just really want their He Man to look like a seventies porn star bodybuilder. <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked it, but everything about the, the character designs was honestly better. I watched the original series. I was born shortly after it was made and everything like that. I watched it all as a kid. I liked this better. I liked the story better. I liked the character development better. I liked the visual representation better. The only fact that it wasn't really focused on E-Man, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some great flashbacks, and I only wish that there was more Skeletor. But I think, I think, yeah. What but the, what they did with Skeletor, they did well. Yeah. Um, what I think hurt me the most is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar voicing Tila. That is what I found the most distracting and difficult to um, just just stomach. She. It, I ever, all I could hear was Buffy and that nasally ping. She didn't sound like I would imagine Tila to sound like. She I thought sounded, she did a good job. She just sounded too whiny. She did a good job, but I actually sort of agree. She wasn't. She didn't sound tough enough. 
Well, I mean, but she was supposed to kind of be like, you know, a teenager throwing a tantrum. I guess that makes sense. She kind of was. You know, I mean, throughout the whole thing, she was a teenager throwing a tantrum. Now, I'll grant you, she was also a badass, but she was still just being a bitch. Yeah, she didn't get her way, and she was throwing a temper tantrum. Great, which is why it worked out well, I think. Um, I I liked the cast. I thought that, uh, you know, having uh, Lena Headley or Hetty um, as Evil Lynn was a good oh, choice. Amazing. She did a great job. That was great. You know, um, I was actually a little surprised to see Alicia Silverstone uh, in the cast. I'm surprised by a lot of the cast, to be honest. But all in all, I thought that the casting, they did well. I thought Orko did a really great job. He was great. Oh, that he was, was actually likable. Like, that was beautiful. Yeah. Yo, the, the I story, mean, even though it was short, the story they told with Oregon was just, awesome. it was, oh. And heart wrenching, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it when you then you have Moss Man at the end with the, oh, it was just a beautiful moment. Same with Roboto. Like, they gave that character crazy dimension very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I think that. You know, the fact that they did that with so many members of, you know, the original uh, cast that we never really, or the original uh, characters that never really got expanded on. Even Beast Man was somewhat developed. And I was like, kind of lame was Merman. Merman, they just kind of. Just oh, gave yeah. the blah blah, threw him back in. It was it was great. I yeah, but I mean, Merman's always sucked anyway. Yeah, but I got a weird feeling he's going to come back. Yeah, oh, I guess he's definitely going to come back. I see a revenge thing happening here with him. And yeah, not, and not against the good guys actually on this one. What did you think about the enemy of not Skeletor but the other enemy? I'm trying to be obtuse. I suppose I could say it, but cool. Oh, that was cool. It was a good backdrop. Scareflow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, really the, the cult, the, the techno cult that they had. Yeah, oh, led that. by um, uh, With Triclops. Triclops. And, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was pretty good, actually. It was a good backdrop. A good enemy to have kind of floating around. Yeah, he was just always in the background somehow, but like always just being a little bitch. But somehow also being a badass, he was the most He-Man villain ever. <laughs> so is this a, a complete story, or will there be a season two? Oh, there's definitely yeah, two there, there's going to be a season two. There has to be a season two. Well, no, it's already done. It was written as a ten episode run. Yeah, they just broke it up. They, okay, they good. Them break it in half because apparently, because they're making this one, and they're also apparently making another He-Man show which actually is He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. They didn't want all of it to come out at the same time. Yeah. So they're spreading it out. We're probably going to get it winter or spring, I'm assuming. Season two. That'd be nice. Yeah. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised, especially since, most uh, remakes, reboots, whatever you want to call it, that they've done of any of the 80s cartoons have been complete shit. 
Did I like She-Ra and the Princesses of Power? No. Did I like yeah, Strawberry I Crap Cake? No. That show's not great. And it, it's worth watching. Honestly, the amount of people that came down on it doesn't make sense. I think the, the amount of people that came down on it were expecting something so, different, honestly. Okay, for Masters of the Universe, I agree. For She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, I oh, feel like they should have told that story without calling it She-Ra. And I went to stab somebody in the eye with my pencil. And I like that that's the lost in space argument that we had. That wasn't Princess. Yeah. Um, the, the nerds got lit up about Kevin Smith lying to them, saying that He-Man was in it and there was no He-Man. So everybody got all through. There playing. is He-Man. He's just only a minor character this time. Right. So every everybody got wound up saying Kevin Smith lied to him and immediately the you're you're shitting on my childhood argument comes up from just about every adolescent male out there that can't grow as a person or understand how stories work. So I don't think the people who grew up with He Man are still adolescents. <laughs> Let's be real. Oh, no, no. In like fairness, Fox, I'm pretty like sure it. most of those men are yes yeah they're they, acting very gatekeepery and adolescent about this whole thing instead of being an adult and open-minded about a story that has moved past the, the this week we learned that magic and fire doesn't work you know that kind of shit I, it yeah. was it was a progressive story it was it was good and it made right. sense and there was yeah. real stakes and i yes. appreciated that yeah. they didn't try to play to us like we were still children, but yes. they kind of did that tip of the hat to the old you know, cartoon. Yeah, Whereas like, did. I loved they in the old did. cartoon where you had today's lesson. You know, or like in the year we had to find Lucky. Yeah, well, and they, and they all got pissy because of, you know, because he, the one part he did kind of fib about was that he said it wasn't focused on Tila. Well, it wasn't entirely focused on Tila, but there was a lot of Tila. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of everything. I'm pissed yeah. that there was no Buzz-Off, no Stratos, um, and there was another character that I was kind of... Well, Moss Man went up pretty quick. Yes, um, but he had that good bit in the end. metal as shit, the way they killed Moss Man. <laughs> well done. That was a good pun. I appreciate that. Smart. That was... Crazy! Oh, they oh no, Ram Man! One of the most worthless characters from back in the day, Ram Man. We didn't even get a we didn't even get a peek at him at all. Yes. So three characters, I was kind of like, but but where are these guys? So instead of the nerds focusing on what we didn't see, as far as like the characters and and what we did see and how how orchestrated of a story it really is, you just you you think everyone's missing the point. All the all the cranky nerds are missing the point. It's not it's not all about you, you bastards. Oh. It is all about me. Well, yes, you have boobs. Yes, and they're lovely ones. <laughs> Sorry, I just got back the uh, final edits from my photo shoot, so I'm very happy with my breasts right now. Very nice. Okay. Oh, should be. So, speaking of boobs. Uh, let's pop over to Troll Hunters. 
Don't That's like that's a bad transition for a kids show, Bobby. That's very. Hey, first off, Troll Hunters is not a kids Fear show. Street. I was thinking Fear Street because at least there are sexualized people in that. Okay, show. fine. We can also talk about Lord of the Rings because we're actually going to see boobies in that. Yes, we are. No, that's yeah. not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed yet. I didn't just, say you would see sexual intimacy. I'd say you, I said you'd see boobs. I think Let me ask we'll you see this. like right. smooth backdrops of people. I think we'll see some ass cheeks. All right. I don't think Fox, what is your question? I would love to see some Hobbit ass cheeks, okay? Um, <laughs> Do you think you're as hairy as the rest of them? I'm Probably sure they are. So, yeah. Probably not as much as dwarves. They've got braids back there. That's true. Dreadlocked but, but, ass cheeks. Okay, continue with your question. Do we need this? Do we need yes. this adaptation? Yes, we do. Ooh, we've got some differing opinions in here. Because this. Boobs make me actually watch it because... <laughs> yeah. You realize... I'll watch anything with boobs expensive television show ever produced. Excited to see what they can do with it. And I think that uh, many series adaptations of books tend to be more faithful to the source material than a Absolutely. movie. Um, so I'm excited about it. I better get my fucking Tom Bombadil. Like, I get why they cut him out of the movie. He doesn't really, like, show up later. Whatever. I want Tom Bombadil. Well, it's not actually based on that character, on those characters. It's not based on the fellowship. So Tom may be there, but he's going to be in a very different way. It is based on Tom Bombadil. Give me, give me. I want him. No, see, I want the Burrows because that was the part I missed the most being cut out of the book. The Barrowways? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would love to like how i don't know how that got cut out of cut out of the movie because the barrel white scene is very tense and very action-packed it is and it's fucking scary like when i first read those books like it scared me and i think it really it ups the stakes and it gives the idea of like now that they've left like they're in danger and like the barrel whites are fucking scary and there's really nothing that they could have done to get themselves out of that situation like it yeah. like really shows how high the stakes are now that they've left Shire. So yeah, I'd love to see some Barrel Whites. I'd love to see Tom... Tom Pompadour! Well, the interesting things got cut out is because Peter Jackson wanted to show off New Zealand with his long-ass shots with people walking for two hours. Because that's basically all that happened for a Wow, you're being way too critical of your take. Way too critical. A movie about walking. (laughs) I I mean, it is literally a series about walking to Mordor. It's a fellowship quest. It should be a little bit more interesting. I think the Fellowship of the Rings, the the first movie, I think, was the most engaging. I think it can get a little... It can drag on in the... The Two Towers, uh, which it, it did in the books as well. The Two Towers was kind of uh, the Tolkien-esque thing of like a lot of uh, uh, like painful amount of detail and mm-hmm. world building. 
Um, so admittedly, not a lot happens in that, that book, but that's the one I'm most critical of. I will go yeah. and say that. I, that was. I read the book. I find the book interesting. I saw the movies. I fell asleep three times before I finally got through half of it. Uh, it wow. took me four or five days to finish all of the all of the movies. But that I'm was sorry, also okay. while I was in grad school. I got I got bored. I don't know. I mean, the the one takeaway from the second film is the Battle of Helm's Deep, which was spectacular. And I, I think that's the high point of that film. It's better than um, the final fight at the the White Kingdom. I mean that that fight was a little kind of disappointing, and and I expected more out of the Pelliner Fields. I mean, I wanted to like really see some carnage, especially with what we saw in Elm's Deep, and we yeah. didn't, we really didn't get that. We saw a couple of elephants and, and some rogue orcs, and that was it. I was expecting the ghost army to be a lot more graphic. Yeah. Because, like, in the books, they, like, fucked people up. They, they fucked people up. They, like, well, ripped them apart and left, like, nothing but bits and pieces behind. It sounds a whole lot like people are agreeing with me right now. You no, know? yeah. I honestly... <laughs> but there was not enough action there was too much of the in-between filler there was too much of i don't think so so fox's point it is very detailed and how do you get that detail out except for the wide panning shots leave it out when you turn it into a movie no (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we're all going to feel that okay let's actually announce the release date since that's the yes Uh, September 22nd of next year. And what are our thoughts on on this new adaptation? Now that we've bitched about the movies. (laughs) I don't don't think we need it. I don't care. It's so far past the point that me giving a shit that I really don't give a shit. Like like Tank, the only thing bringing me back is boobies. Hobbit boobies, elf boobies, maybe boobies. But boobies, okay. Orc boobies. Yeah, boobies. I would see orc boobies. There'd I love to see some orc boobies. As weird as it sounds, I'm more interested in the miniseries than I was in the movies because I think splitting it into smaller chunks will force it to be more interesting. Well, I don't, I think I don't agree with that. That's only going to make it worse because they're going to have these long stretches of episodes that there is nothing but filler until you get to a major battle. It's going to be very reminiscent of Game of Thrones, where there's a whole lot of fuck ton of talking, fucking, and then all of a sudden we get to the Battle of the Bastards. And what we're looking. some fucking, it'll make it more interesting. Right there. Yeah. I am, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's all I'm willing to speculate at the moment. I mean, I'm super excited because it's a prequel to The Fellowship, and it's a lot of the lore that most people don't know. Yeah, it's called The Hobbit. <laughs> no, it's not. That's part of the fellowship. Yeah, it's not part of that either. Apparently. No, it's like it's the tales of Middle Earth, so it's back way further. Are we talking like? Are they using the Cimmerillion as yeah, material? Yeah, they are. 
the yeah. most boring book. Oh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. I will give you that. That is the worst fucking book. It is, but some of the stories are really cool. And it gives the origin of these divine things, which could be really interesting if done properly. So we're going to see some, like, you know, real cool wizards and dragon shit this time? Possibly. One can help. I mean, I... I don't know. I know they're already confirmed for, I think, a second and third season, and they haven't even, like, they're still not done shooting. Well, when you spend half a billion dollars, you kind of need to get as much of it as you can. I mean, I'm excited for it. It's like, I will definitely be watching it. I'll, I'll, I'll at least give it a shot. I will promise that. Um, speaking of Netflix, or, uh, Amazon adaptations, the Wheel of Time announcement release, or the release poster dropped a couple weeks ago. And on top of that, we got a confirmed release date of November. Yeah. Which I am in the midst of rereading that series right now. I think I'm on like book six. So I'm like dead in the center. And I got to say, I'm really curious what they're going to do with it because there's so much that is, I can't I even begin to speculate. I, I, I don't even like it. I don't know. We were, <laughs> I got, I got nothing. I'm just like, I don't even know. Like I, I, I don't even care. Just, just let's start. Well, it's looking so like we're going to get seven episodes um, for season one. Um, according to what I've been able to find, the cast doesn't Kevin really. Yeah. Well, that kind of tells you what is really going to happen, and that's either they're going to start with the earliest time period and tell a story, or they're going to start with the first book and tell a story. They're going to start with the first book. That is the plan. According to their trailer, the trailer, the poster is Moraine opening the way gate, which happens for the first time in the first book. All right. There you go. That's going to be the story. It'll probably be the first book, like big chunks of it, probably. I think so. The thing is, he's refocusing the series. I listened to his uh, Comic-Con uh, interview, and he's refocusing the series on the pursuit of balance that is a theme in the books, but not necessarily the core premise. And he is going to refocus it on that. The director, honestly, I forget his name, actually has me pretty about it. I'm curious to see what it is. It's, I grew up on this series, but didn't age super well, so like this, I'm reading it because I've reread it 10 15 years, and I'm really seeing a lot of the flaws and stuff like that that I never allowed myself to see when I was growing up. And it's it's interesting to see how something like this would be adapted. Yeah, um, so they do have a different director for each episode, looks like. Oh, who's the showrunner? That's what I'm looking for. Because that's who, kind of, unfortunately, that's who kind of matters because that storyboard person. Yeah, it's... Damn it. I can't remember. Hold on, I'm, I'm on IMDb. Let me pull it up. 
Uh, Raf Judkins yeah. uh, is listed as the creator of the series. So there you go. That's your showrunner. I don't and know let's that name. see what else he's done because I don't know that name off the top of my head either. We do not be a big doofus. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Raf Judkins is the name I've got. Yeah, that's right. That, that's yeah. what I just said. Yeah. Uh, he did I'm Abel. He was the one. Uh, uh, the Division, Hemlock Grove. He did what for Agents of Shield? Producer. Writer for The Division, producer for Hemlock Grove. Um, let's see. Filmography. Uh, it's really not showing a lot more than that. There's a writer for The Division? Uh-huh. That's kind of an interesting move. It's it's an interesting pick. Uh, in oh, terms of people. Apparently, he also uh, was executive story editor for Chuck, the TV show. Oh. That is <laughs> interesting. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and my wo- my own worst enemy conspiracy TV series. Oh, okay. No, nothing about. Uh, let's see. Uh, he was an assistant writer for the Forty Four Hundred. Um, yeah. worked on. Law and Order SVU. So this guy comes from procedurals. Yeah. Like, almost entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would count in that. Nope, definitely. Yeah, it's a movie of the week procedural kind of thing. Right. That that does not bode well for this series. That is an interesting choice, because that makes me wonder, like, is this going to be presented as a procedural? That'd be weird. I I don't think it can. That's not like the narrative isn't conducive to something like that. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, <laughs> that guy does procedurals and monster of the week stuff. Well, the thing is, he grew up. Um, I know one thing he wants to promote. It's the I remember from his interview was the balance and then the accepting of cultural differences is a big thing in the series and if he focuses on those two things like those are both pretty big themes through the series and i think he can make that into something interesting and he grew up he grew up with this series so he understands it It helped him accept his own uh homosexuality so it was very interesting to listen to him talk about it then it's a passion project, so he must have really killed it during the pitch. To I think he's the one who pitched it. That's like, what I'm like yeah, he pitched the series originally, and then uh, convinced Amazon, and they've already confirmed a second season. So, oh. and we don't have even have a trailer yet for the first season. Wow, he really pitched the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah. Come up well, probably August or September. IMDb is just showing seven episodes, but that could just be the seven that they finished filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that the season is only going to be seven episodes. It's just that's all that they have record of at this time. 
Well, Amazon does like six to ten usually, so right. it could yeah. be seven very easily. It could be. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down. They could like cut the final episode into two if it starts dragging too long or something like that. Who knows? Well, I'm interested. I'm very excited. I'm not really super hopeful, but we'll mm-hmm. see. I've been waiting 20 years for an adaptation of this series. I'm curious to see how they do it. I am always wary about adaptations of books that I love. <laughs> I don't know. You love Legend of the Seeker, Bobby, so... Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you hard. With a spiked dildo in your ass. Wow. That's rude. That's rude. That's rude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, where do you go from that? Where do you go from a spiked dildo in the ass? That's... Beer Street is where you go from that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any spiked dildos, but they're definitely stuff getting stabbed through people, so. Oh my god, the fucking meat slicer. That was the best. That was the best. <laughs> and so, like, the best good. and most interesting character they wrote in that entire series. They fucking killed with a meat slicer. That was cool, though. It was a cool way to kill somebody. Yeah, it was. It was good. The first two parts were actually really cool. I think the second one was... I think the second one was exceptional. The first one was pretty good. Mm -hmm. A little more stereotypical. But the second one was really interesting as a third one. That was the thing, though. Like, I think that was completely intentional. Oh, I think it was because they were playing up the tropes of the horror genre, and that's basically the entire story, is all of the crazy, weird shit that happens in horror movies haven't crossed the three parts. Yeah, it's very similar to uh, the Babysitter movies. I don't know. Um, Well, they play with the tropes of, like, slasher movies and stuff like that. This is very similar, except it plays with the tropes of horror movies. And it did a very good job in the first two movies. Oh, yeah. The first one was really cool. The, the second one, the, that was the one that was heavily inspired by a slasher. I yeah. The second movie was really, very much taken straight off the pages of, like, Friday the 13th. Kind of mm-hmm. The third one. Sweet Mother Mary of God was that movie terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to say terrible. But it I was say, terrible. I will say how it ended up plotting out. I think they went to jam too much into it. I think they tried to fit too much stuff into the last part and it ended up dragging in weird ways and kind of disconnecting from the first two parts too much. Mm-hmm. Even though they were obviously going for a different kind of story. They were going, you know, Blair Witch, The Ring, that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, I did appreciate the twist. In the that twist was pretty cool at the end. Yeah. It was very, but that was technically the end of the second movie. True. So, I mean, you could argue, but they. I thought that twist was interesting. It wasn't particularly 
innovative or new, but... Well, that was a M. Night Shyamalan from the beginning. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's what that but, was. Yeah, was. I thought it was fun. I mean, I watched the second movie first, and then I watched the first movie, rewatched the second movie, and then watched the third. And, like, I had a good time with it. Oh, yeah. The only reason I rewatched the second one is because I was reading during it, but it was fine. I watched it from beginning to end. It was it was fun. It was. No. It was you read it during most movies, Stash. It was a complete. No, I, know. I will no, say the production value. I mean, was great. It fit oh, yeah. well for what they were doing, and it did feel like a horror movie of the day for the time period. It really, really yeah. worked. It was. It, I I thought it was stupendous. Really. Very creative. Well, and, and you got three completely different kinds of horror stories, yep. but all still connected together. All connected. Kind of cool. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting approach to horror. Yes, it's probably what American Horror Story wanted to be, but then fell apart. You're, you know what? You're not wrong. Like, <laughs> that, that it looks like Fox like, agrees with you. <laughs> yeah. That is, I don't know what that expression is, but... That is the, I can't believe they're on to their 10th season for fuck's sake look. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I think that the writing started devolving after season one. Season two was passable. <laughs> after that, it was impossible to parse storylines and, like, characters' motivations and why the fuck they were doing what they were doing or, like, what the plan was or why they thought what they were doing was a good idea. The writing is terrible. I will say Hotel was enjoyable. That was just creepy. And the aesthetic. But aside from that, it was garbage. Enjoyable garbage. You know, we all like a little nacho cheese sometimes. <laughs> garbage. Hey, you gotta pull the garbage out. Garbage. Just like me, honey. <laughs> I will say I liked... Uh, I think it was the last one. 1984 was that the last one? And that's just because they brought in so much of that weird time period and like the kind of serial killer motif that they gave to it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm just told that I should actually watch that series only. Just I think that. you would like that one actually. I think you'd like 1984 just because it is kind of that. It is decently. It's fun. Yeah, and it's fun. It's really goofy, but it's. You know, in a good way. Ask I have not seen 1984 yet, but I did watch uh, the first little installment of American Horror Stories. Hey. I have watched all four of them so far. <laughs> it's the crazy. first one, I thought, had very dangerous messaging about queerness. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, like, bullying, mental illness. Like, it was... Ryan, no. Ryan Murphy is a weird dude. And yeah, clearly. But he, you know, it reminded me of like the older horror films. If you had sex, you smoked, you did drugs, you died right out of the gate. I mean, that, that was basically what it reminded me of. It was just like, don't be any of these things because you're going to die first in a horror film. Okay. <laughs> I think they played the game of Barry the Queer. That's what I thought when I was watching that. I was like, they're really aiming to... Like, they were wrong. They, like, any type of... I think he was attempting to 
to tell an interesting story that talked about social issues. But I think completely that message got lost. That message so got lost. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it at not first, yeah. at first I was like, oh, like these parents are sitting down and having an honest conversation with their teenage kid about like watching porn. Like that's really cool and progressive. They have some weird ideas about like people who like BDSM, but you know, they're parents. Like, they're 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 yeah. Uh, but no, it didn't. It was not. Nope. Did you watch the second part of that? Of yes, that? I did. Yeah, it doesn't end any better than it starts. No. But I will say this: he does not do that in the third and fourth one. The third and fourth one do kind of tell an interesting short story. Okay, I'll I'll check it out with your recommendation. Yeah, the the attempt at the rubber woman was not good. First of all, she's not even a woman. She's like, what, sixteen? Ew. I think sixteen, but I'm. I think it might be younger than that. I think they said she was like fifteen. Yeah, ew. Yeah. That's not okay. Well, when they hypersexualize the fifteen-year-olds, and and that like very, very much. That's true. Although, on the other hand, I think that it's totally fine to talk about adolescent sexuality, frankly. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was very like it was a male gaze. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a difference between understanding adolescent and teenage sexuality and hypersexualizing adolescents and teenagers. See, and then that's I think that's where it missed the mark because I think they were attempting to do the first part, yeah. which was exploring the idea of teenage sexuality in this environment. Yeah, but they, they went for the peep show effect instead. There, there is such a difference between those two things. But yeah, I, I would have to agree with Fox. Like, it, it does not do a good job, and it does cast a pretty terrible light on. Honestly, every characteristic they tried to probably make interesting about yeah. that story. Every lifestyle choice just got butchered. Yeah, like every single one of them. It's like, so basically, if you are anything, if you're human, you're a piece of shit. You're a human. Enjoy breathing. We need to have words. We need to discuss with you your problems. You don't have to be breathing. They, they a big carbon burner. <laughs> don't eat salads, kids. They're bad for you. No. And that poor therapist, like, how she got treated after she got killed is just like, oh, no, I'm still just a therapist. No character development for me whatsoever. I'm totally cool with this. Weirdly enough, that was my favorite part because it was so weirdly in the story. Yeah, it it, it was absurd, absurdly funny in a way, but it's like, I mean, she should have gotten some kind of character development. Oh, yeah, 100%. But it was just this weird background character that would just pop in randomly and have a weirdly happy attitude while everything was going horribly wrong. But you say Dr. Seuss? Well, here I am! <laughs> it's all I can think of during that. Like, what, 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 a, what a pointless character. But we didn't even mean to talk about that tonight. No, we didn't. It's all right. At least it was, you know, a related tangent instead of just one of our usual random tangents. 
So to get us back on point, I want to ask the group a question. Yes. Does does an ending ruin the entire movie? So you're yes. going along, you're totally bought in, and then the ending takes you completely out of that happy space. Does that ruin the entire thing? It can. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be a case-by-case basis for me. Yeah. yeah. It depends on how fundamentally it fucks up the story. Because okay, so, there's a difference between, like, an unsatisfying ending and a, just a terrible ending. Yeah. I've had bad endings to movies, and I've still enjoyed the ride. But... Oh, like that, um, what's the movie with the poof balls? Oh, like, uh, Save Ourselves. Save Yourselves, yeah. It, that was a good movie with a bad ending. Yes. And I still loved it. Okay. So the reason I ask this question is because Troll Hunters, uh, Arcadia, Rise of the Titans, I'm, I'm totally in. I'm not stocked and barreled, and I love the series. I love the, sh- the, the, the final episode that we're getting. And then the ending happens. Right basically destroys the entire series. I mean... They could have ended it on that sad note, and I would have liked it better than the way they did it. I agree. I mean, why would you do that to the fans? Why would you do that to the story? I mean, maybe the producers thought that, you know, this is kids' media, and we need to have a happy ending. So, No, but it's not a happy ending. And with the body count that they racked up, come on, they were not worried about kids. We were losing characters left and right. Yeah. I mean, and we were losing good characters, too. This wasn't just like a Game of Thrones, let's just kill everybody. This was like meaningful death. Yes. I mean, it even took away from my love for Vavatos. All right? Vavatos is here to kick your ass. And they just totally took the air out of it and, 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 and killed it. I mean, they just brutalized that fucking story. Oh my god, seriously, if they had just said, you know what, we did the thing, we've reached this point, we've had losses, but look at what we can rebuild now as all of us together. See, and that that makes more sense to me, and I don't know, I expect more of Del Toro, and I think that's probably the bigger letdown to me, besides the ending that just really just screws with the fan. But I expected better of Del Toro, who brought us, like, you know, The Shape of Water, where we know it's a tragic end, but there's the other side of the story. There's the, uh, you know, the life goes on and things do get better. And to just to do that is just, I was just pissed. I was, I was so angry. Remind me, did Del Toro do uh, The Golden Army? Yes. With mm-hmm. Hellboy? Yes. So yes. I was fucked up before. Yes, but not as bad I mean, as it's this. Not I think that this is a worse fuck up than the Golden Army. I agree. Because I don't think I would ever watch the Golden Army again, but I would watch. I, I, my favorite series, I guess, out of the three was the the three below. I enjoyed the hell out of that. That's because Vavatos is amazing. Yeah, I like the wizard. That one was cool too. I, I mean, I liked all of them to be honest, but Three Below was the one that I, I kind of sat there and this is actually a really good story. Well, the dock was great. I mean, the taco truck, you can't go wrong with the taco truck. I mean, there was just really great elements to, to that series, to all of them. And then just to have them shit on it 
like they did, it was just like, what the hell? I mean, well, how they, fucking trophy and lame of an ending could you have had? This was the ending that we got with the uh, the Sword of Truth series uh, by Terry Goodkind. If anybody read that series, the the first was it twelve oh, really? books? Are you talking about the books? Yes, the books. Not really. Yes, the the whole ending where you know I'm just gonna say it because. Yo, know, I don't care. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't read the book series that's been out for like eight years. Uh, the very end, he's all like, oh, we're just going to magic all of the people who don't like magic away. And that way, everybody who does like magic is still happy. I mean, that's the power of a cop, though. Like, that was based in continuous lore going through it. That, no, that was, I don't want to write any more of this shit. I'm going to jump the shark. Oh, he literally kept writing books in that series. Though. I know, but he did take a break. I'm just saying, I, it, it felt like yeah, that. That guy was a terrible... Enjoy his books or not, that guy was a fucking piece of shit. Oh, I don't know that guy. Like, he was a terrible person. <clears throat> it's like, he was, he was so, like patronizing to other fantasy writers and stuff like that. I didn't and know it's what like kind of when I learned how bad of a person he was, oh. I was like, I won't buy any books of his anymore. Was that just because he was a prick to everyone, or did this guy like Mike? Uh, no, like he literally he got mad at uh, Robert Jordan and called him an idiot for not finishing his series because he was dying. Oh, okay, that kind of prick, gotcha. Yeah. Like, he said he was the only person. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I'll be back. Was your dad? Well, while Stash investigates poltergeist or Lord knows what in his fucking home, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Poltergeist. Yes. Anyone who watches Troll Hunters... Don't watch the movie if you enjoyed the series. Just let it go. You know what? If you yeah. watch the movie, just stop it 10 minutes before it ends. Yes. 15. Okay. 15 minutes before it ends. I feel the same way about, uh, what was that TV series? Uh, Carnival? Yeah. Yeah. Right? First three seasons, because what was it? Three seasons? Right? Yeah. We're fine as long as you don't watch the last 10 minutes of the final episode. Well, it's like How I Married Your Mother. It's it's the exact same. It's exact. Yeah. See. There you go. Yes. And <laughs> it just the end right kills there. it. Oh, it's the story. So yeah. Right. So there you have it. That's that's our thoughts on on Troll Hunters. Deal with your own peril. We apologize for any spoilers for those that may not have watched it yet, but you had to be warned. It was. Yeah. It wasn't good. It's only fair. But speaking of investigating poltergeists, can we talk about the Ghostbusters trailer? Yes. Yes. That was awesome. I'm not even in, like, a Ghostbusters fandom. Like, I've seen the original movies. They're fine. You know, it's it's fun. Like, I'm just saying I'm not, like, a huge fan. Mm. But this trailer looks so fun. And, like, the idea to make it into, like, uh, a kid adventure movie is so fun. It's got Finn Wolfhard. Like, I see. It is like Stranger Things meets Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean, it looked 
it looks like a fun, a very fun ride with adding all of the right feels from the nostalgia of of Ghostbusters. I there are so many Easter eggs in everything in the last trailer that I go a whole hour on the Easter eggs from the from the two. But the big takeaways is uh, Shandor's temple, which is in that mountain. Oh, yeah. The, the glyphs on the back of the wall are the same from the uh, top of the, the, the penthouse. The town itself has a bunch of gozer symbols all around it. If you look in the background, it has a bunch of weird little things in there. I wonder how many cameos we're going to get. Yeah. All Ghostbusters, with the exception of Rick Moranis, are coming back. I miss well, Rick Moranis. I miss him so much. I love him. Yes. I mean, we, we get flashes of Egon, and there's a rumor, or at least more fan theory, the blue ghost that is being chased by the kids, they think that's Egon. I that saw that, yeah. I, I saw that. Through his pursuit of the ghosts and trying to understand um, Shandor and Gozer that he stayed. He didn't go over. He didn't cross over when he died. And he's now a deformed kind of angry ghost. Slimer number two? Um, Muncher is his name. I know. But it, it's it's Slimer. Yeah. It's <laughs> But it makes sense also because it's uh, Alan Reichman's is that Jason. his name? It's Jason. a kid. It's son. Jason, Jason Reitman. Jason, that's what it is. Um, who's literally, you can tell, like, this is something he fell in love with as a kid that he wanted to tell his version of the story. Well, he's in the second Ghostbusters. Yeah. Jason is in the second Ghostbusters at the kid's party. Mm-hmm. So he, he grew up with these guys. I mean, he literally grew up with these guys. Yeah. So for him to pay homage while continuing the story is very, very enduring. And we even get what gave me the best chills through this whole trailer is the end and the phone rings in Ray's bookstore. And they recreated this from the original film to look just like it did back then. Um, even right down to the red phone, Ray's got a tattoo that references... Um, him, him and Winston talking in the car about revelations at the end of the first Ghostbusters film. So it's it, it is so intense. It is just I just can't wait. No, we don't know where Bert Murray is. We don't know where Dana is yet, but I'm sure they will. They will pop up. Yeah, they're gonna show up. I'm assuming like that. I don't. I mean, we kind of know that Murray is involved because he already said so that he's involved somehow. Yes, we don't know what degree that is. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if Ray doesn't make the call and Murray and Dana come to the rescue along with Ackroyd and and uh, that's that's probably what happens. Yeah, but yes, I I agree with you when you hit that final scene. I'm I'm, did they fully recreate it or is this all CG background right there? They recreated, physically recreated the bookstore. They did yeah. physically Okay, That's what it looked like, and I wasn't sure. I'm like, that's some pretty intense right detail. You work. can't recreate yeah. a neon light. <laughs> you yeah. can't digitize that. That is that well, is an actual neon light that they've got up there in that window. It's beautiful. 
it's it's advanced enough now. You can kind of do some stuff. I uh, I was gonna say that based just solely based on the trailer, it looks very well produced, and it the cinematography is beautiful from what oh, yeah. I've seen. That whole scene of the terror dog ripping out of the Walmart is awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Even the state puffs. You know, that was probably like up. just so adorable. Like that. So, they're yeah. adorable, but they're like children of the corn. Scary. I mean, they, yes. they're obviously going to eat your soul. Shit. Well, I don't have a soul, so I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, the paper umbrellas are for. Yeah, it was it was good. It was a good trailer, and I really for something that we know has kind of been going on for a while to finally see something is really cool. Well, I think even from some of the footage that I have seen from then and now, it looks like Jason has gone back and like spruced up the film in some areas. Oh yeah. And details and there's other stuff there's other elements that there's drastic difference from what I saw and what this new trailer reveals so we bumped up the quality of uh, everything honestly well did they have an extended period of time in uh, post production because of COVID they did the film was supposed to be out last year so I mean uh, it took full advantage of and some, some spruces because I don't even think Muncher was as detailed in the first trailer as he was in the new one. I Just agree. I saw a little blobby thingy. Yeah. I, I think he went. They went in and really, really spruced up his gun. Well, they've had enough time to make this fabulous, and I'm hoping that it is everything that we already want it to be. Because we already have the feels just from the trailer. No, Hawk's just sitting there talking about Egon. I got all misty. I'm like, <laughs> poor Egon. And Finn Wolfhard is just such a likable young man. He is. He's just so jovial. <laughs> all right. So um, moving on down our uh, never-ending list of things that we have going on. Um, something for a less than likable character, Ted Lasso. Why is that less than likable? Well, because apparently the big deal is the fact that he's not a complete asshole and people are freaking out about that. Is he supposed to be? No. He's the one of the sweetest characters I've seen on TV. But it's kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's incredibly, incredibly heartwarming. It's such like a just build like some beginning to end on the first season, and they kind of start you know right from that in the second season. It's yeah. actually uh, a very very sweet story. So according to um, this article that just came out. Uh, negative expectations have been completely shattered um, for Ted Lasso uh, because he does not come across as a complete creep. And so um, all of these negative implications and expectations that people had for the show are 
being completely, you know, um, turned around. So, and they're calling this an optimistic comedy. Oh, yeah, from top to bottom, that dude, the, the way that the character is portrayed in the story, Ned Lasso is the nicest human being that ever existed, essentially. And he is incredibly strong of will and strong of heart. And even though they have, he does have a couple issues that do pop up, it, it, it just makes you kind of understand it more of why he is so optimistic and why he is so forward-thinking that he just wants the whole world to believe in themselves. Truman Show on crack. Yeah, but without the... Please cameras? <laughs> well, without, without the fakeness, <laughs> it doesn't come across as a... Honestly, it doesn't come across as a TV show because it seems like this was a real human being, almost. There's no fake this and I just I couldn't swallow the first season and I was just like okay I'm out and then you know starts talking about how how that's not the character and I'm just like wow okay so is this the way it was supposed to go or do you think the writer sat down and was like we should probably change this because um yeah this isn't what we intended I don't think he comes off as creepy that's actually kind of weird I don't think he's creepy at all well, and I think that's what people are saying is that he's not coming across as creepy and they don't know why he's not coming across as creepy because if this was a real person, he would have a creep factor. Interesting. Oh, it, it seems, seems like, honestly, the best way to explain it is it's Ned Flanders without the Bible thumping. Or the kid? Or, well, no, no, he has a kid. Oh. Okay. All right. And you get um, some emotional depth to him when he, you know, talks to his kid and all that stuff. There is, there, it is a legitimately good story about a guy that just wants the world to be happy and wants to do hit the best job that he can, and he won't let the world kick him. Basically, good for him. I don't know. I enjoy it. I, I still, it still remains my favorite show from last year. I watched it again before leading up to the second season, and I, it, every episode I still enjoyed because it's so hopeful when everything is despair and sadness and everything. It's such a hopeful story that just exists in this seemingly ether where everything else wants to, you know, drag you down. The story doesn't want you to get dragged down at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? We could use hopeful right now. Hopeful's good. I think everybody's just turned into a cynic and they're waiting for the other shoe to fall. I think that I think you're right. I think people are expecting him to, you know, be a weird or an asshole because that's how these stories kind of go now. Because mm-hmm. the, the nice guy's not really a nice guy. Yes, you know, in like the last five minutes of the series finale, we're going to find out that he's some sort of like, you know, serial murderer or whatever. That's right. Half half the town's in his freezer. It'd be great. But just their lower half. Wait a minute, in that series, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Everything's brighter because I killed the fuckers that didn't let me have my way. Isn't that the whole premise of like half the shows that we talk about? True. 
All right, so let's talk about killing people who don't let you have your way and jump over to Dune. Who are we killing? Whomever we don't like. We'll just feed them to the sandworms, you know, or or kick them. They generate the spice. I'm not killing the sandworms. I'm feeding the bad people that we don't like to the sandworms. Okay, so we're feeding the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're feeding a fuck ton of people to the sandworms. It makes bitter spice. Yeah, uh, but we have the new trailer that has come out on it. Uh, we have the official release date for it, uh, I... and we also have the uh, new um, posters that have come out. Yeah. Um, showing you all of the different characters. Yep, marketing is in full swing. Oh, yeah. We mm-hmm. are definitely pushing it again. As they should be. This thing looks amazing. I mean... I'm so excited. It looks I, I think it looks fantastic. I think the cast looks fabulous, and I am super stoked to watch this. Ooh, it looks- you be surprised by how much I want to watch it. I'm going to say that. Yeah. yeah, are you guys going to see it in theaters? Maybe, actually. Box, what were you going to say? Oh, it looks super epic. I was going to say, I don't know if I buy Timothy Chalamet in this role, but... <laughs> I get that, yeah. Okay, I see that too. <laughs> okay, not, he's not my top cast pick. You know, as far as some of the other characters who have been cast... I mean, obviously everybody's been cast. Uh, the, the cast that we've seen. Um, yeah, he is not where I'm going, oh my god, that's the perfect casting choice. I mean, I never thought I would, you know, Patrick Stewart in Dune was completely one of like, the, really? This guy? You know, no, it just it was just kind of one of those odd off thing with Mimosa now. Kind of like, I'm curious to see how they do work him in here. We got Batista who has yeah. elevated in my book as far as an actor uh based on the last few films that i have seen him do so mm-hmm. i'm more serious about seeing his performance than probably anyone else in this cast because i really i'm starting to respect him as a performer he is spectacular well Come we for just have batista stay for the spice right <laughs> well and we have josh brolin in here as well like we have a lot of muscle oh yeah it's it's some Yes, which makes me happy in ways that Dune shouldn't make woman happy. But I still don't have an age-appropriate lead, though. Just saying. (laughs) I I think I agree with Fox a little bit on this. The the Timothy Chalamet casting kind of reminds me of one they tried to make Taylor Lautner into an action hero. (laughs) Does anybody remember that weird... Like three years where he was in all these action movies and sounded yeah. like a 14 year old. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That was a weird time. <laughs> That's kind of, I guess, I, I'm kind of agreeing on that. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Mm. All right. Not age appropriate. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, it's okay. Technically, he is, but. Sure. I mean, According to the books, he was like what, fifteen? 
I, w- I was going to say actually like 13 or 14, but I think he might be closer to 15. He's in the teens. Yeah, oh, and he's, he's in the early teens. I believe he's in his mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense that they would pick a soft boy, but like, I don't know. Chalamet <laughs> is like your indie hipster ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Soft boy. I love that. Yeah, I actually just wrote down hashtag soft boy. <laughs> Do I have to spell it with an I, Fox? That's the important question. I mean, you can do Fox B-O-I or uh, Fox uh, soft B-O-I for me because I'm a little soft boy. I'm your resident femme boy in a maid costume. Um, but Tim Faye Chalamet, I believe probably a why you know what i'll do both yeah 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 uh actually even i'm like totally jones now i'm going back and kind of revisiting the dune books there's a new comic book that just came out last week uh going into dune um and it's written by kevin j anderson who is a local author in addition to a heavyweight when it comes to dune and star wars and jedi uh uh, uh, Jedi Academy. Yes. So, and I've had the chance to interview Kevin, and he is he is a beautiful person, and his his wife is wonderful. We hung out on the airplane on the way to Dragon Con one year, so it was um, it was an adventure. And and Kevin's great, but his his take on the story is always very prolific. And I, I and I love his point of view and how he shaped the Dune world. So to see everybody getting back into the Dune, Dune, it reminds me when it came out the first time. There's no sting coming out of a steam bath looking all weird. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we'll have our, our three meatheads coming out of the steam bath all together. That would that would not be a sad moment for the Bobby. Josh Josh Brolin comes out of the steam bath looking purple. We don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would, you know, honestly, if him and Batista come out as their Marvel characters, I wouldn't be mad. Oh my god, I would laugh. So Batista digs himself out of the dirt. He's all green. Oh god, I got this shit all over me. That would be great. I would love that. Drax. <laughs> Hashtag green shit all over me. I love it. Drax, Thanos, and Aquaman all of a sudden pop out. <laughs> I am curious about the most crossover. Did you? No, I want to see if we're going to get the Shaka again. I love when he does his Shaka dance and he, he gets into his Polynesian roots. And I really, I'm curious to see if we will see that carried through in his his battle in Dune. So I'm really, I'm really. I think excited that we will because we've seen it in everything. We well, do. They're also teaming up on uh, that that Apple show. See that? Uh, yeah. Momoa's on. Yeah, and he, he definitely gets into the Polynesian roots in that show. Yeah, and they're bringing in Batista for season two. Apparently he's his brother. Ooh. Ooh, Interesting. Cool. Yeah, I actually really that liked that show. It, it makes me want to actually have Apple TV, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I agree. I got enough. I don't need more. Thanks. Yeah, I have enough subscriptions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else we got? Well, since we're talking subscription services, Netflix is getting into the gaming industry. They're going to start providing games 
at no additional cost, or so they say. Well, initially, at no additional cost. The yeah. thing is, they actually hired pretty big talent to run their games side. I just don't honestly see this really going anywhere. It's like they announced that they're going to start with like really small, like mobile based experiences. Kind of what and, Amazon Fire did, right? When they first started sorry. Amazon Fire, when they first started doing their games. Yeah, and there's a reason none of those have been successful. It's because people don't play it. They're just not that interesting. But so, um, but see, like the games they're talking about doing are Stranger Things and Black Mirror Bandersnatch, and yeah. you know, and like the the Black Mirror oh, interactive cool. episode. Yeah, like that that had huge response. Yeah. So when you said it. When you said it would be like a like a mobile type game, my ears immediately perked up because I hear mobile type game and I think microtransactions and every everybody and their mom is trying to get in on microtransaction money. So I mean that's what I anticipate, but we'll see. You're probably not wrong on that. To be honest, it's probably going to drive a lot of money in that direction. It's yeah. Gonna be- or both. I think they're testing the waters to see what they can get away with, where the interests are, because to Stash's point, a lot of them have failed. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. Mobile games have a short lifespan when it comes to a shelf life. You get tired, you get bored, the repetition. There's not that many grinders out there anymore for little payoff. But there's still that, that dopamine fix for the microtransaction and kind of keep it keep it going. So I I would not be surprised if this becomes a service within the next year, a year and a half. But legitimately, where is the market? This stuff is already offered on any Google device that you could possibly have. Right now it is. It's going to stay that way. Google's not going to stop doing it. They make too much money. What if Netflix has exclusives? Here's here's the rub, because no one has like real titles that they're easily available or they they they're at release date. What if Netflix jockeys themselves into a position through some clever negotiations to have exclusives like the Sony side of it? Or I was thinking like, what happens if there's an Umbrella Academy game? Well, and they're talking about turning some of their Netflix original shows into video games. Well, Stranger um, they're even talking about as a game. Well, they, they're There's even talking about like making a Bridgerton game. What the hell do you oh do my God. Bridgerton game? Like, it's a dating game. sim. It's a dating <laughs> sim, and I'm into it. And you can have all of the library sex you want. I don't know. It just—it seems like a weird market that would be hard to tap into. At oh, I agree. This point, like, there's not a lot of space for someone who's going to, I'm assuming, go purely digital. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, they are. It—it it looks like it's going to be purely digital. But you have to think, Netflix has over 209 million subscribers. Okay, seven billion people on the planet. Look at how many people they've yet to reach. Yeah. But so does Xbox. So does PlayStation. So does Nintendo. I just, yeah. Are, there, are, are those numbers the same, though? Yeah. 
probably more, actually. Yeah, they are probably more. Um, the thing is, I don't think you're going to have the built-in market they <clears> think <throat> Because, That's yes, you have a certain level of techno-savviness to get Netflix to work on all your devices. But how many people do that? How many people have, like, my parents know absolutely nothing. And my sister and I go over there and set it up for them. They're never going to look at games like that. It doesn't I, matter if they're free or not. I'd say you maybe, if you if you come out with some crazy good stuff somehow, you're tapping into a tenth of the market of who has Netflix, probably. At Yeah, at a high point, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like, at your highest, I see this going like the Google Stadia thing. Like That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, Stadia could pull this off, and they... And they have legitimate games. They have tons of games on their Google platform. Well, I don't know about that. They yeah, have a decent number. You can like play Mortal Kombat on Google if you really feel like it. You know? Finish him. They, they, have a, they have enough name recognition as a company and through the games that they provide. I mean, it's not amazing stuff, but there is enough name recognition there. They have Call of Duty, they have Mortal Kombat, they have Madden. They have all those things on Google Play. Yeah. And they still couldn't make the Stadia work. Well, that's because Stadia didn't work. I'm, like, I'm sure want. that's part of it, yeah. But yeah. It but um, the other part is that it is fucking expensive to play Stadia. And yeah, it was a lot, yeah. Yeah, I want to say it was like $15 a month, and then you had to pay full price for the games. Something like that. Yeah, their rental yeah. service was weird. Yeah, and if um, Netflix isn't going to add an additional fee at this time. Time. There's once they, once they spend a couple hundred million dollars to make a triple A game, they will. And now, like I said, yeah, just I at this time. I think we're going to get a series of really small, simple games just to try and maximize engagement. And I bet you, the thing I think they're going to see success with is children. Which is unfortunate, because children are stupid and will pay for stupid stuff. And yeah, but potentially predatory. Also, yeah, but children don't have access to credit card information either, so they can't make it too predatory. And the thing is, they can't have that level of outrage associated with a service like theirs. Netflix has your credit card information saved. They do, but kids' profiles cannot access any of that information. Yeah, that's to say if they put the games on the kid's profile or if they just make it its own service that you have to access. Hey, Mom, can oh, I see yeah, your phone? I my game. Mom, can I play my game on your phone? Mom, I want to play my third game on your phone. Yeah, I already see how that's going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. I honestly don't think we're going to have much of an issue with microtransactions because there is such a stink on it right now that I don't think like there's a reason the industry is moving away from microtransactions like it's a big thing are they though yes they are not fast enough for fox they are like they're restructuring them loot boxes are very infrequent now sports games like yes you can buy yes you can buy battle passes but like you like you know what you're buying when you buy them sports games still 
all, all the sports games still thrive on microtransactions. Yeah, but that's EA. I mean, that's a huge chunk of the population playing those games, and a lot of I games. know. That's the problem. It's like I just I don't think we're gonna see games that are optimized for microtransactions on a service like this because like people would bitch and complain too much about it. I mean, they and do it for all the thing about Netflix is you can sit your kid in front of it for twelve hours, and you know they won't fucking do anything but shit themselves. All right, well, first off, yeah. that's not exactly how that works. Well, not quite. But Google, moving on. Google actively, right, right now, still to this point, because they're going to probably model after Google. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't think they're going to be that ambitious. Well, no, but Google, almost all of their games thrive on microtransactions. Almost all of them. All of their top sellers, all of the top twenty-five that they have, they're, they're in the millions of dollars per month on microtransactions, every single one of them. That's because they're free. Because you're not paying for those games. The thing is, if Netflix is providing them in a service, you're paying for those games. Yes and no. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Google has a Game Pass, too. They still charge you for all the microtransactions. No, they don't. Yeah, Google has a Game Pass. You can actually get their paid games for free through a Game Pass. Oh, really? Yeah. I know Apple does that. I didn't think... Yeah, uh, Google does, too. Uh, I, I, I see it going that way, but that's the problem. Even if you wanted it to be successful, you already have people that are already doing it. And that people who are doing it far better than you ever will. Yeah, and reach a bigger demographic, because I'm going to say this. Do you think that Google-based phones, so basically anything Android, anything Windows, and Apple phones don't have more than 200 million units sold. Oh, oh they have they that. Yeah, exactly. So they're already outpacing Netflix on that. Well, yeah. And what we said last time we talked about the Netflix numbers is that's the number of actual subscriptions. That's not the number of users. Oh, yeah, not even close. I, I, right? Because, I mean, just on one Netflix account, you know, um, in my own family, there's three users on one account. Yeah, we have four. I have four online. You know, and then, because we all share our streaming services. Mm-hmm. I know almost no one who actually pays for all of their streaming services. Most people... Minus You're welcome, Stash. I didn't say absolutely no one, Smurf. I said most, almost no one. Because you don't have anybody who likes you enough to share a streaming service with you. I that sure checks out. Just poor little old me. I, I mean, you. You, want to, you want to split some of the services? <laughs> Next thing I know, you, you, you start hating me and then you extort my services. And that oh, yeah. really bothers me, man. The biggest issue I have with sharing like Netflix with my mom is I like watching everything with subtitles. It doesn't matter what the show is. I enjoy subtitles and she hates them. And so she will go into my profile and turn my subtitles to like Russian. Wow. That is mean. <laughs> Incredibly awesome, but 
mean. So, you know, and then I'll go and I'll change hers to like speaking Chinese or something, you know, Mandarin or whatever, because we, my mother and I fuck with each other via our Netflix accounts, you know, by also renaming each other's profiles and or putting like really inappropriate pictures for the other person. But like, I'm just saying, yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic. I highly recommend if you share a streaming service with someone, this is what you should do. You should fuck with them via their streaming service. A bunch of bad movies to my That sounds like her. Yeah, uh, my uh, my boyfriend was telling me the other day. He's like, "What have you done to all of my recommendations that I get on Netflix and Amazon?" Because when he's not home and I'm over at his place, I'll watch what I want to watch. So you have a separate profile. Yeah. yeah, but it's more fun to fuck up his recommendations. Yeah, my kids do that to me quite often. Yeah, well, your kids, you know, are watching it on whatever profile shows up first. Exactly. All of a sudden, like, oh, here's some Barbie Dreamhouse. Like, great. My pretty pony. My pretty pony. Okay. That's another one. I don't like the new My Little Ponies. That's another old cartoon that they fucked up. And the Barbie Dreamhouse show is complete shit. I've tried to watch it with them. Tell that to a five-year-old. I will tell that to your almost six-year-old, to the seven-year-old who also watches it. All of my nieces need to understand that the Barbie Dreamhouse TV show is complete crap. And they made Meg really stupid. She's supposed to be the smart Barbie. That's why she has red hair. Oh, let's not lie. Most children's programming is pretty stupid. Yeah. But that's intentional, so... Anyway, moving on. Uh, So, Stash, you wanted to talk about something that wasn't Barbie Dreamhouse. The Green Knight. Yes, Stash. Oh, since I'm the only one who actually saw it, it uh, just came out. It's a movie based on the epic play, epic play, the uh, poem, the epic poem from Britain in the Middle Ages, early Middle Ages. And this movie is fucking incredible. It is the best movie I have seen in so long. The cinematography is excellent. The acting is really good. The sound design is some of the best sound design I've ever heard. Um, the retelling of the story is done in some very interesting ways. So even if you're familiar with the source material, you still learn and approach it from a very different angle. And so far this year, this is legions above any other movie I've seen. This is my movie pick of the year. It How is much so, the Arthurian lore? I'm sorry, what was that? Smirk? You're very quiet. How much of it deals with the Arthurian lore? All of it. It's the entire premise. Right, because it we're dealing with Sir Gawain. Um, yes, Gawain is on a quest to become a knight. And in doing so, he has to uh, confront the challenges and values the virtues, the five virtues of knighthood, and it's how he addresses them, learns from them, evolves. But it's told in the course of a journey, as is on this quest to essentially uh, 
join the round table. Yeah, no, not at all. This has nothing to do with the round table. Sweet. All right. Yeah, it has connected from it has the tiniest part to do with Excalibur. And there's this really cheesy part where you see Excalibur and he picks it up and then they break the lights. It's the worst part of the whole movie. Uh, um, but they, like, that was just a very brief premise and then it continues on. He essentially goes to confront the Green Knight and, and die. Like, that's his quest is to go die. And, and it's what he done in the course of this journey. And it is, I knew it was going to be interesting. I didn't realize it was going to be as good, but it is slow. It is plotting. It is very drama heavy and very character driven. But oh my God, is it so fucking well written, man. It is 10 out of 10 recommend. I mean, there's some of the special effects that are a little cheesy and lame. But that's because it's a lower budget film. And I understand they specifically there's a fox that is not great. Not not great at all. Every time I saw it on screen, I was like, I couldn't figure out what exactly was so weird about it. And I still don't know, but it's interesting. Not it was an old history tricks. But it's it's very good. It is probably the best King Arthur outside of Monty Python that I've ever, ever seen. That's, that's a high praise. That's a high praise right there. It really is. Like, I, and I now really I want to go watch Monty guys, Python. Yeah, I really hope you guys go and see it because this is something to be experienced with a really good sound system. So if you have surround sound or something like that, you can definitely do that. But I would highly recommend a movie theater visit for this funnel. But it's it's kind of the classic hero journal story. It's a Hercules. It, uh, it definitely like it takes some twists and turns that you don't expect. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. We'll check it out. All right. Uh, last item on the list for tonight is the new Venom trailer. <laughs> so I'll be a hundred percent honest. I hated the first Venom movie. Like, I hated it. Yeah, but I have to see this because Woody Harrelson's in it. I, I will see it just for Woody Harrelson. His performance looks I highly interesting. I'm going to go see it. <laughs> it's, it's Woody Harrelson with natural-born killers and a better hair piece. I so want to see this. It looks Way better than the first film. I hated the first trailer. The second trailer was absolutely on point. Like well, the first trailer was goofy as shit. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, this has gotten ridiculous. They were being playful. It was the buddy cop trailer. Yeah. yeah. This trailer, though, really got some dark elements. We got a streak being exposed as far as uh, a possible character. So I'm... Got a bunch of characters. Definitely Scream. Definitely yeah. Phage. Probably not a return of Riot, I'm assuming. I don't think but Riot's going to come back. You do think Riot's going to come back? I Maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't think so. Possible. Who knows? What I'm wondering is how deep in the bag are they going to go on Symbio? 
as far as like the maximum carnage crap that they did back in the 90s. As in, are we going to get, you know, the lethal protectors, the anti-venom, all that stuff? Good question. I hope they don't get too far into it. I like just the carnage venom aspect of it, especially with Eddie, like in the trailer. I'll let you eat everybody. Really? Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. That was great. I was like, oh, I'm so on board. Wait, then I'm going to eat people. This is awesome. I did not hate the movie as much as you two apparently did, the first one. It, but it's not great. It's not amazing. I didn't hate it. It it should have been better. But the fact that they're dipping into the, the old school Venom a little bit more, it seems like, where it's going to be more vicious, more aggressive and more like just brutal like it's kind of supposed to be that makes me excited Mm -hmm. yeah i'm excited to see what their fights look like i mean bug fest (laughs) i'm sorry cgi fuck fest i'm gonna hashtag that one too it's, it's like honestly i am curious i woody harrelson man i love that guy well, I have seen some really bad movies that he's been in just because he's been that up. Oh, yeah. Most of his catalog, let's be honest. Yeah, that's the fucking truth. But the <laughs> fact they gave us, they finally gave us how. Yes. They put it on front of you, how he becomes Carnage. And that's yeah, is that uh, in the lore? Huh? Is that in, like, the comics or anything? Right. Like, it's close, but not quite what the original lore is. No, it's I mean, not. Venom escapes prison, and he leaves a small piece of the symbiote, because the symbiote is splitting and reproducing, so it leaves an egg behind, and that egg bonds with Cassidy. Who's I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's similar in the way that he gets it from, he gets the Venom symbiote from Eddie Brock. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's similar, but it is a very different approach to it, but it is kind of... Yeah, Cassidy doesn't nibble on Eddie. No, he does not bite him <laughs> in the comic book. Which is unfortunate, because that kind of makes me wish that's what happened. Actually, that was uh, kind of funny. He made him look like a chicken finger. I was like, alright, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but the, the fact that they gave us the how already is either you know what? a really good move or a really bad move. I think that's bold and brilliant, because I, I because like all of us Nobody wanted to see this film because they're like, well, how do you get it? They gave it to well, us out of the gate and they gave us a bunch of explosions and I'm in. I'm, I didn't even care a shit about this film until this trailer. I, now I'm in. I wanted to see it, but that's just because, once again, Woody Harrelson and Tom Hardy yeah, see each other. That was the whole like thing, but I wasn't sure if he was going to be enough to drag me to see this movie, because I hated the first one so much. But Understandable. If you hate the first movie, yeah, it would be hard to kind of draw you in on that. So bad. So bad. It was such a bad... Why was it so... Why did people like it? I don't understand. Because it's Venom. No, I liked it because of part of the story that they told about Eddie Brock. It gave him a different origin that was kind of cool. And so here's the question, Tank. Did you like it or did you not hate it? I'm going <laughs> to be honest and lean more towards not hate, but there were enjoyable aspects of it. I love the fight scene between him and Riot at the end. There can be scenes you know, that you like when you just don't hate a movie. The, 
the story was weird and awkward and oddly told, but there are parts of it that are kind of cool inspirations for a story. That's the way I feel about Wonder Woman. Not 1984. We all just pretend that movie didn't happen. That, that shouldn't have happened. But the, the first Wonder Woman movie, it's, I, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Yeah, and that's where I've I've seen way worse superhero movies than Venom. Way, Absolutely. Way I mean... I mean, that, that just gets into we want to like pull up Green Lantern, you know, with... Green Lantern, I'm fine. Don't you dare say Howard the Duck. No, not Howard the Duck. I'm thinking more like uh, the when they did the remake of Fantastic Four with Michael B. Jordan. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's, oh, that's okay. Like, that movie grown. was on... <laughs> on TNT or TBS or one of those fucking channels in the hotel room uh, when I was in Savannah and it was on for like a good 10, 15 minutes. And then I was like, the fuck are you guys watching this? But it took me a minute to even recognize what it was. Oh yeah. That's how bad of a movie it is. And I have a I have a personal hatred towards the rise of the Silver Surfer because Silver Surfer is my favorite comic book character ever, and they completely fucked that movie up and that character up so severely that I hated that movie because of it. So that's totally sense. fair. And then there's more. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of really crappy movies that people don't remember from the 80s and 90s that were comic book movies. Yeah. It was actually I mean, having I a say like the first Thor movie was trash. It wasn't great, but it was it, it was not Marvel's best work, but it wasn't their worst. Mm, well, are we talking like from the Marvel saga that they did? The that might be the worst. That one I was, think it's the worst. The yeah. second Thor is also not great. The second Thor is so much better than the first one though. Captain Marvel's worse than the two Thor films. Yeah, I'm with Smurf on that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hot take, Smurf. That was actually a pretty good movie. <laughs> it was yeah. a good war movie. More than any like take out Captain America. It's it's a good war movie in general. Captain mm-hmm. Marvel? No, sorry, take out Captain America and it's still a good war movie. Yes, but he it was saying funny. Captain Marvel is the worst oh, of the MCU. I think it's Captain America. Oh no, I like I like Captain Marvel. So. Captain Marvel is garbage. That is a dumpster fire. Yes, it is. I thought it was an interesting development of a character I knew next to nothing about. That is because you don't know any of the source material. And guess what? You still don't know anything about her. (laughs) I do not. It wasn't the worst, but yeah, it's not great. I know she gets fucked up by Rogue. Better than Thor. It's Thor is better than those two than that film. Yeah, it's a five Marvel movie. For sure. One day we'll have to do our top bottom five for Marvel. That would be a You know what? I am totally down for that. Are we only doing Infinity Saga stuff or are we doing all time bottom five of Marvel? I don't know. I mean, there's some really, because you could bring in the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider stuff. All right. Do you think that we can do that? You guys want to do that for next week's show? And that's where we'll end tonight. We'll, we'll do we our top five, bottom five of all Marvel movies ever. 